Today we're going to talk about hysteria, where the word comes from, the stigma attached to women specifically, and also the misdiagnosis of an illness when women act out of alignment of what society deems to be normal. So we're going to talk about this as a human phenomenon, not just one gender. And I'm also going to use Tulsi Gabbard as an example of this systemic illness that we all suffer from. Did you know that the word hysteria comes from the Greek word hystera, meaning womb? It was believed that the uterus would actually wander around the body like a hungry animal in search of semen. This would cause women to act erratically with such odd behavior as masturbation, decrease or increase in sex drive, excessive emotion, according to an intellectually rewarded man, let's remember, increase in appetite or heart rate, and these symptoms meant that your lady friend was hysterical, which was a medical diagnosis since 1900 BC all the way to the 1980s. That's right, for nearly 4,000 years, if anything happened to a woman's appetite, their heart rate, their sex drive, or emotional state, especially when applying for an artistic, intellectual, or man's job, they likely came down with a bad case of hysteria, aka wandering uterus. Hysteria noticed a marked incline right around the time that the U.S. and European women were attempting to join universities and professions. Marriages and birth rates were falling, and in kind, hysteria afflicted women like a spreading pandemic. Treatments for hysteria included vaginal fumigations, bitter potions, balms, and pessaries made of wool, genital massage performed by a skilled physician or midwife, and the holy trinity of marriage, intercourse, and pregnancy was the puritanical way to get that loony woman back into right standing with her prude and intimacy-deprived culture. So I'm giving you this brief history in order to show you this issue that is not relegated to just men, but historically men have had more power to enforce, in which relatively few people of means have the ability to dictate what is normal to the greater masses. Here's my spin on it. The human body is a sensitive and sensual instrument, and it is healthiest when there is little to no sexual or sensual repression and the oddities of human behavior are not seen as medical conditions that need to be cured, but rather messages from a divine source that must be understood by wishing to see the divinity of the oddity. A woman's body is likely more sensitive to phenomena that men cannot as naturally perceive, except when the masculine and feminine forces of the human are in healthy balance. The oddities that women experience, like fluctuations in heart rate, sex drive, and emotions, could be seen as less of an illness and more of a sign of a metaphysical illness in her surrounding culture. Mother Nature perhaps speaks through women in supernatural ways. So, if the men of the time period are only comfortable equipping the growing medical field with intellectual ailments to diagnose in place of a dwindling field of shamans and healers that would otherwise call it a sign from great spirit, then what do you know? The medical field can diagnose anything that it cannot intellectually explain as an illness, and therein lies the death 
of the mystery. And yes, in almost all mythology, the mystery lies most accurately within the feminine. How many brilliant artists may have been locked up for having ideas so radical that the conventional thinkers of the time saw only a loose cannon with dangerous tendencies? How many homeless have simply acted out of a defiance to a sick and hyper-materialistic social structure? How many times do we see derisive language towards an outgroup only to reinforce a form of violent tribalism amongst politics and social class structure? So I noticed Tulsi Gabbard now calls the left a warmongering elite cabal as she moves to the right. Now, while there is some truth to what she's saying, yes, there are warmongers, and yes, the colloquial use of the word cabal, just meaning a group that has an agenda, you can say that there is a warmongering elite cabal. However, I want to break down a little bit of the nuance of her using this in-group, out-group language. Blaming elites is convenient, but it's also partially accurate. However, the problem comes when we only blame the elite because it becomes a scapegoat from facing our own inner work because the entire problem, the entire diagnosis is placed outside of ourselves on the elite. And then calling them warmongering, saying that only the outgroup are the warmongers, is actually misdiagnosing a psychic phenomena that almost our entire population helps hold together through various forms of tacit acceptance. So while I have met Tulsi Gabbard, and I truly like her, and I feel that she is coming from a space of aloha, I also sense an allegiance forming with a greater association to only one hemisphere while relegating most, if not all, of the problems of human society to the other hemisphere as enemy. When one hemisphere of a body politic wars against the other, this is where the problem arises. So, in fact, the very thing that Tulsi is blaming the other hemisphere for is something that she is now helping engender inside the hemisphere she is calling the virtuous one. We suffer deeply from a lack of intimacy in our culture. And what we need more of is communication to the awakening masses that does not relegate blame to one sector or exonerate another sector from blame but to place the problem in the category of a message from Mother Nature that is just far enough outside of our conventional wisdom that collectively we must bend out of our rigidity to find the divinity of this oddity. Many people fear civil war, nuclear war, famine, plague, and apocalypse, when in truth all of these are symptoms of a globalizing people who haven't healed from the societal traumas we are all born into and who repeatedly look for an entity to blame as if blame and shame are the antidote to a world afflicted with a lack of intimacy. The real issue here is that we haven't learned how to trust those that we can't understand. We haven't learned how to open our hearts to those that may mean us harm while protecting ourselves from undue harm, but emotionally opening up and seeing the other not as enemy, but caring for them as an ill part of society that we are part of. When we look at others that are in our society that 
when we were maybe a little bit more healed as a species, we could see as brothers and sisters of humanity. But in this illness and with this trauma that we have yet to heal, we see this part of our very own body politic enemy. And you must cut it out. You must cut it off. Did you know that one of the treatments for hysteria was actually cauterizing the clitoris of the woman? And there were many other grotesque things that would come out of this diagnosis. But therein lies the issue to not just over-diagnosing the problem, saying, I fully understand the problem that the world is stricken by, but also to say that because I understand the problem so well, now I fully understand what we must do about it. There's weeds in the garden, spray Roundup. Why? Because it kills the weeds and it keeps your crops alive without realizing that all this Roundup and the glyphosate in it builds up over time rendering the soil inept, rendering the soil even toxic if it does produce crops, and also causing for that glyphosate to get into the hormonal and endocrine system of people around the world, causing for fertility issues, among many other things. And this is not to blame Monsanto as enemy. Of course, there is a great reckoning that must be had, and of course, that our chickens are coming home to roost. But no more is it healthy to claim that one group is the enemy and I am exonerated from all blame because therein lies the danger. When we see the brothers and sisters that work for Monsanto, when we see the brothers and sisters that have the names Rothschilds, Rockefellers, Gates, when we see these people as less than human, then we do not see people that have some kind of ailment that love and intimacy would be able to heal. We see a clitoris that needs to be cauterized. And I say that kind of loosely, kind of humorously, but also very, very specifically to show that when we say the only thing we must do to Putin is kill him, that's the only way to get through this problem that we see, then we are saying, I know what it is like to be the executioner. I know what it is like to bring somebody to justice by ending their life because I fully understand the problem and this is the way to handle it. That is a lack of what Mark Gaffney calls eros or pseudo eros. That is a lack of true intimacy. And intimacy is not just of the physical body. It's not just of the emotions. It's not just of the spirit. It's not just of our outer environment that we very wrongly call separate from ourselves. It is the totality of all of it and more. And that and more is what we have consistently gone to war against. When women in their beds are showing some kind of signs of something that men in the 16, 17, 1800s cannot fathom, cannot wrap into their own worldview, then they find a way to cause it to be enemy and they go to war against it in ways like burning off a clitoris. So think about this. If we do not acknowledge that the aberrations or the derangements of nature actually have a divinity to their oddity, that the oddity is only the paradox of our worldview needing to crack out of its rigidity in order to include 
that aberration or that derangement into the beauty of our divinity, that the problem actually exists in part inside of us and our worldview, that that is the systemic illness that we are facing, that Tulsi Gabbard is now relegating to one side of the political aisle rather than the other. If we do not come to this understanding that this is where the illness truly resides, inside of all of us, systemic to our psychology, our spirituality, and now to our ecology, then we're never going to come to a real bridge between the warring factions that we say we fear are causing civil war. There's my story and I'm sticking to it. The word hysteria comes from hystera, which means womb. If we come to a better understanding of what that means, maybe we will actually treat mothers and women better so they heal some of their traumas, so their womb gives birth to healed children, not children stepping into this world with pre-chewed, pre-conditioned traumas that they now need to sort out because their previous generations and their ancestors did not know how. This is how we treat the next seven generations with real, beautiful, sacred love and intimacy. With that, I'll catch you all next time on Waking Infinity News.